With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. to stop the Rileys. He drops back. Lucic looking for Everly. He's throwing. Go to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown Eskimos. One-timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. So the Edmonton Oilers are 9-4-1 coming home to play Dallas on Friday night. Meanwhile, the Edmonton Eskimos are 0-0. Zero zero. That's right, I'm throwing the regular season record out the window now that they are into the playoffs and will face Hamilton in the East Division semifinal coming up on Sunday. We will talk about both your teams as we move along on Inside Sports tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 6.06. Of course, you can always reach me here by tweeting me at Reed Wilkins. The phone number is 780-496-0063. The text line is... 6.30, 6.30. Jeremy from Glendon jumping right in with an early text. He says, hey, Reed, I think the Oilers have proved they can play above average even with a banged-up lineup. Haven't been able to say that in years. Great game for Maroon. And Jeremy also saying, hoping the Eskimos' offense explodes for some big points on the Tiger Cats. My concern with the Eskimos is not the offense. It is the defense, but they should be favored against a very banged-up Hamilton team on Sunday. More on that a little bit later on. We want to dive right in to the hockey talk with former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Reed, and yourself? I am doing very well. It's it's uh, it's great to talk to you. Now, are you still on uh, one of your epic road trips, or are you back home for a couple days? No, I'm home, and... Uh turning out to be a really good week. I got home on Sunday after one of those long trips you're talking about. And uh, when my wife picked me up at the airport, we went uh, over and picked up my mom, and she just came in from Edmonton for a few days. And I don't know if you checked tweets, but yesterday I think it was I was tweeting that, uh, or just one tweet anyways, not a bunch, but uh, how my mom, my wife, and my middle daughter were all making pierogies and cabbage rolls the last couple days. And so that's what we're about to chow down to, some homemade Ukrainian food. So super excited about that oh my goodness well you do take inside sports seriously that you would put off that meal for an appearance <laughs> with old reed wilkins so th- thanks buddy hey uh you know it, it's an old cliche in sports kelly and me- people in the media lo- uh, use it and i wonder if uh if players agree with it or if they roll their eyes when we say it but the oilers did go 500 on the road uh i mean is is that where you look back and say okay uh, acceptable, or do, or do you got to look back and say how the Oilers lost a couple of games and say, my goodness, that could have been seven or eight for us? No, I, I think you look at the positive spin and you, you convince yourself that, hey, uh, 
all things being said, we, we had a pretty good road trip. We had some tough teams that we played. Uh, we had some really emotional games, and I think that's where you really have to know that it takes a lot out of you. You know, when you go into uh, Edmonton and then there's the McDavid and the Matthews matchup, uh, the Rangers. I haven't seen the Rangers yet this year, but I've been told by some executives that watch them live that those, that's the real deal. They are maybe the best team right now in the league, and they play as fast as anybody's ever seen. Uh, and so you finish off that trip with another really emotional game between McDavid and Crosby. Uh, and, I mean, it takes a lot out of you. So when you come away on a, a tough five-game road trip like this, 500, that's all good. The, the game landed last night with a, a really weird goal. And, and, and look, Benoit Pouliot, with some of the penalties he took earlier in the year, certainly opened himself up to criticism. I looked at that goal last night and I thought, you know, technically he's doing the right thing. He, he's helping out down low and whacking the puck out of the danger area. And, I mean, Rob said if he tried to do that another 100 times, he wouldn't be able to do it, get it hitting it twice on his follow-through. Um, the, the own goal happens every now and then as i'm sure i'm sure as an ex-goaltender you uh yeah. you looked at that with uh <laughs> with a knowing glance and then maybe brought back a, a good or a bad memory depending on which end of your ice it happened at well the thing is it happened at such a point in the game that you usually never recover so that's why i felt badly for the oilers and, and for Pouliot in particular because i agree with rob you could never ever do that again uh, i doubt that uh, I, in fact i've been around the game uh, since 1980 at the NHL level, that's when I started getting paychecks, and I can't recall a goal quite like that. Now, we've all seen a lot of really, really crazy goals, but one quite like that. So it kind of reminded me um, when you let in bad goals, and not so much when my teammates accidentally did it, um, but some of the ones you, you score on yourself as a goalie, and it just, uh, you, there's one in uh, Phoenix uh, years ago. I was with San Jose my first year, I believe, was San Jose. And the game was a complete battle for me anyways, right from the start of the, the uh, puck drop. And, man, it, I think we were down in no time, 2-0, two, two maybe 3 nothing. And I, it was a real struggle. Ed Belfour, our other goaltender, had a bad back, so I knew I had to finish this out and gut it out. And there was a, a scramble in front, and I, I made a couple little saves, and, and they're whacking away at it. Our team's trying to get at it. And in an effort, I knew it was going to be kind of dicey, but I was going to try and reach back with my goalie stick and sort of uh, corral it and bring it back to me. And, of course, you can tell what happened. Not only did I score myself, I poked it right into the net. People would have thought, looking at it, like, that looks like it was kind of on purpose. And it was the dumbest play, the dumbest way I ever scored on myself, and I've done it plenty of times. So did you when when that happens, do you know that you're trying a low-percentage maneuver? That you're kind of... Yes. Yeah. But I, but I thought that you know, it was better than somebody else was going to get it, and I thought it was the uh, Coyote. So I thought, you know, I'd try and do something here. And, uh, you know, for good reason. I never tried that before, and I never tried it after. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mission learned or lesson learned right there. Yeah, that one wasn't in the in the goaltending textbook. But, no. yeah, I mean, f- funny plays happen like that. And, and, some, and, and, I mean, as much as we like to say, well, this team outworked the other or this team got a clutch goal. I mean, over the course of a long schedule, sometimes you do lose on a bounce, right? And sometimes you can't beat yourself up at it or or criticize yeah. your effort when it does come down to a, an unusual play. Well, you know, it's a cliche, but we always say things even out. And I do say through experience that that is true. I would say you might lose, um, I don't know, about 
three or four on a bad bounce. You might win three or four in a season. You might outplay a team badly five times, uh, but they'll win because the other goaltenders are just that great. And that happens in your case, too, in your favor. So usually things like that, the weirdness or the anomalies or the ebbs and flows of a, a game, that I really do think they even out over the course of an 82-game schedule. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. It is 6-13. Our next Oilers broadcast away fr- uh, Friday against the Dallas Stars. That'll be a 5-30 face-off show, 7 o'clock for uh, the drop of the puck. You know, Kelly, one thing that has, has struck me uh, about the Oilers this year, they, they got pasted when they played the Buffalo Sabres. They, they didn't handle the prosperity of sweeping the Flames very well. Other than that, every game has been close, or they've even been able to control some games. And, I mean, that's what a lot of fans I I hear from on this show and on Overtime Open Line are saying that they're at the point where they don't think the Oilers, they know know the Oilers aren't going to win every game, but they're starting to feel confident enough that they will be in every game. And, you know, there are words like composure and confidence, and you can't measure them on a stat sheet, but, you know, they're, they're products of... Uh, of other things, maybe some coaching, maybe some experience with the players. And, I mean, you know that, that that confidence and composure, sometimes teams just start to have it, and then that can start things going in the right direction. Well, there's no question about it. And you get on a wave, you get a little bit of momentum, and and it carries you a long way. As long as when you're feeling great about yourself, you don't allow a few bad habits to settle in and then you get comfortable with it. And the reason I bring that up is I don't see that with the Oilers. Uh, As you mentioned, they had the one blip, but that's always going to happen. You're always going to have a a game every once in a while where it's just well below your standards, but you've got to get over that. And I think fans can too. But my point being is when you look at the Oilers record, as good as it is, I think they've earned that honestly. And they haven't, nobody has stolen points like Cam Talbot isn't you know he's not stealing games with 35 saves every single night they've they've helped they've worked on that area and I look at Montreal and and that's a concern to me you know you look at their record and I think it's uh, I have it right here it's 11-1-1 and and you look at their last four games and it was trending in this direction they've been badly outplayed now uh, Al Montoya took the hit for that one but the other three in which they played that to Carey Price bailed him out. That's a real concern. That's not the way to, to get to that record. I, I think that they most likely addressed that today. And I would think if you're an Edmonton Oilers, you're feeling a whole lot better about your your game and your overall team effort than you would be if you were sitting in the Montreal Canadiens uh, dressing room right now. You know, I, I, I want to ask you about Montoya in a second here, but I want to continue with the confidence theme because – Look, I've been very lucky to interview a lot of athletes in a lot of different sports at a lot of different levels over the course of my career. And the, 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 the best athletes and the ones who've been most successful, one trait they have in common is almost a bottomless supply of confidence. Even when it looks like things are going off the rails, they'll often find something positive to say or convince them in my mind convince themselves that they lost because of a bad call or something like that where i'll be doing an interview and i'll be thinking to myself what are you talking about like that's yeah. the worst i've i mean does sometimes high high level athletes or maybe athletes in general do you have to lie to yourself sometimes to maintain a confidence level 
I'm not sure if lie is the right word, but I think convince yourself or trick your brain sometimes. So as, an, as a tool, what I used the last five years of my career, I always wanted to go out on the ice uh, before warm-up and before the start of every period with a really positive thought. So I carried around a laminated index card, and I had four thoughts on it. Two of them were about my attitude, and two were technical things. Um, but the first one was the most important, and it was a simple word. It was uh, Schwarzkopf. So you might remember General Norman Schwarzkopf from around the Gulf War time in the early 90s. And and I just loved his behavior and the way he carried himself. And he, he acted like a, a true general. He was self-assured. He was confident. He looked like he had a swagger about himself. So, And I love that about uh, Schwarzkopf. So I wrote that on my index card. It's the number one thing. And that's the number one thing I carried with me the first few minutes of every period. I wanted to act like a general out there. I'm in control. I'm confident. I know I can do it. Uh, and further to that point, I still do that in my broadcasting reach. So oftentimes if I think I'm a little bit overwhelmed or I'm just struggling a little bit, I always remind myself and repeat the word confidence to myself. And you can do it. You've been here before. And I think for the most part, I've been able to fake it pretty well, that uh, I don't ever have moments where I'm, I'm really, really nervous or this is just a little bit too much for me, and I get through it just by tricking my brain a little bit. Wow, that's that's fascinating. You'd never told me about that, about the index card before. Am I allowed to ask what the other three points were? Sure. Um, the other one was, uh, keep in mind, this is a dated index card. Right. So <laughs> it was... Uh, PIP, so picture in picture. I, that's back in the early 90s again when that technology was just coming up for the televisions that we're having in our house. So you could, you know, you had one big screen, and then if you wanted, you can change that format. So there's a big screen and a little screen, so you could watch two shows at the same time, right? Yeah. Old technology. <laughs> so sometimes if I wasn't having the night I, I wanted to, um, it actually started from a big slump I was in, but it's too long a story. So, anyways, I worked with Tony Robbins about getting my uh, picture switched around. So my big picture for a while was a negative thought, and the little picture was a positive one. So I had these drills Tony taught me to work on switching that picture around in my head, which was very effective. And then read the other two were really boring because they were just technical things. Right. One was I, if I get a little bit tired even walking around, I can get a little pigeon-toed. I was pigeon-toed as a kid. And so I had to remind myself not to turn my toes in too much when I was standing on the ice, just keep my toes out a little bit. And, uh, you know, I can't even remember the fourth thing, but it was something very, uh, very small. Oh, stay up. I want to stay up on my feet as long as possible before uh, I was flopping around like crazy. Well, that's great, Kelly. Thanks. That, that's, yeah, picture in picture. That was good for about two years. And then, uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I'd always find myself watching the smaller box more than the bigger box for some reason if you tried to have two football games on or something. Hey, before I let you go, I, I should ask you about the uh, the 10 nothing game and the Canadians leaving Montoya in there the whole time. I mean, obviously he's not their guy, right, in the, yeah. in the pecking order of the franchise. But what did you think about that? Well, a difficult position, I would say, for Montoya, uh, Montoya most of all. But I, I didn't uh, like the what Terrian had to do, and he really didn't have that much choice. Stefan Waite, the goalie coach, uh, it's reported uh, Terrian said that he and Waite went and talked to Montoya after the second period and say, hey, we're going to keep you in. Are you okay? And 
had a little chat with him about the reasons why and so on. But it just does make sense. You know, you would, in all likelihood, put Price in if there, it looked like your team had a chance of coming back. And But under these circumstances, you just couldn't put him in because there's no pushback from the Canadians. Um, you, you risk Carey Price being injured. So I think under those circumstances, Montoya's just got to handle it. The other thing is, and I look at it just purely from a number one goalie standpoint, uh, when you tell a guy that's going to play the majority of all the games and he's already played in the World Cup like Price has, a day off should mean a day off. I mean, we saw Carey Price uh, stretching and, and trying to get loose and stuff, but I think most importantly, when a, a goalie's given a day off, he's got to hopefully it, it, it's a real relaxing day for him. You don't have to throw him into the fire. And I always appreciated when my coach told me it's a day off and I was able to just let my mind go and, and not really worry and try and have to ramp back up uh, here in, in situations that aren't ideal. Right. All right. Kelly, it's pierogi time. Go get them, buddy. Okay. Thanks, pal. I sure will. <laughs> That's Kelly Rudy checking in tonight. You get them once a week here on Inside Sports. Did the interview with pierogies and cabbage rolls standing by. Really appreciate Man, great stuff about that index card. I had no idea, to, no idea that he did that. It is 622. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad, you can text 630-630. We'll update your scoreboard here when we get back. Buffalo and Ottawa among the games tonight. Vander Kane is back in the Buffalo lineup after missing 11 games with a rib injury. The Sabres lead the Senators 1-0 after 1. The Blue Jackets up 2-0 on the Ducks. That's halfway through the second period. And the Blues and the Blackhawks no score about nine minutes into the game. NBA tonight, Raptors in Oklahoma City off to a poor start. They are down 21-10 with four minutes left in the first quarter. John Shannon from Sportsnet will talk a little Oilers, Penguins, NHL all coming up. Kevin Karius from Global Sports joins us most Wednesdays here on the show. He's going to drop by tonight as well. You know, he's tech 630-630. I will get to a couple of those as we move along too. For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 6:33. Got a text here from the Big L to 6:30, 6:30. He says, "Reed, if a team goes 500 on the road and wins 75 percent of their home games, that's roughly 91 points." Throw in five or six for overtime losses, and that's likely a playoff spot. The Oilers are ahead of those stats, and McClellan is certainly the kind of coach who could help them adjust to such success and not without some hiccups. That is from the Big L. Well, first of all, the Big L, thank you for doing some math for me. Uh, that, <laughs> that's cool. You know, it, it's it's funny because they, they've talked this season about handling prosperity. And they didn't handle it well after they swept the Flames in the home-and-home. And And then they were able to win five in a row. And then they had to handle a little bit of adversity because they played Ottawa, Toronto, and the Rangers and only got one point. And uh, they played a couple, you know, gutsy games, I thought, on the weekend against the Islanders and the Red Wings. And then, 
you know, last night, it, it, disappointing. I mean, you never you never want to lose, but th- there are, over the course of an 82-game season, season, maybe losses that fall into different categories. And uh, it was, a, I thought, a pretty good battle last night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And John Shannon from Sportsnet was able to take in that game, and we welcome John back to the show. Hey, man, how are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to have you back on the program, man. Hey, what what was uh, what was the vibe last night? What was your impression of that showdown between the Oilers and the Penguins? If I can use the word showdown in the first week of November. Yeah, I, I tell you what. To me, there was a vibe in the arena. Uh, it was the second most in, most important vibe in Pittsburgh, but it was uh, it was uh, there was a good vibe, and 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 both Crosby and McDavid tried to play it down. Uh, but you knew they were kind of excited about it too. So uh, it, uh, overall, and I think the people, I think the fans uh, at the arena in Pittsburgh, they got a real glimpse of why it was so important too, particularly in the first period. Well, that's a good point because McDavid made a, a breathtaking play there to set up Maroon with his speed, and, and clearly uh, Maroon, McDavid, and Everly worked very well together on the first goal. I mean, do you, do you think there was a click-in moment for? Penguins fans where it was like oh we're we're going to get pushed tonight maybe this isn't the team we've often rolled over over the last decade well well let's there's there's two things to remember first of all uh, McDavid played junior hockey uh, 110 miles from Pittsburgh uh in Erie so right up right up the interstate and so it was fascinating to see McDavid Erie Otter sweaters in the crowd uh, throughout the arena um and secondly I think the first goal alone uh, put a little bit of a, a, a red light on the uh, on the day for the Penguins, realizing that oh my goodness! Particularly when uh, I think we were all really surprised to see Mike Sullivan put Crosby on McDavid, and then we realized halfway through the first period, and I think Connor finally realized this too, is that he had a speed advantage on Sydney, and that's when you know he, he really did take over the period. John Shannon joining us inside sports on 6:30. Chad, yeah, it was uh, it, it was a fun game, and you know I, I do the post game show with Rob Brown, and as you can imagine, we've heard a lot after games <laughs> over the last three. But it, you know, it was a totally different vibe with with most fans after last night's game, and maybe they yeah. were distracted following the news of the day a little bit too, but. Um, I, you know, we get a lot of text messages now with with the, the technology that pe- people are walking around with in their hands all the time, and certainly there was a lot of I wish the Oilers would have got the two points, but it wasn't. Well, we got to burn the team down because we blew a two goal lead. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's yeah. and I was talking with Kelly Rudy in the first half hour of the show. To me, composure and and control and details are three words I find myself using a lot with this Oilers team that I wouldn't have used in the past. And you could use it at a lot of levels too, um, Reed. You could use that uh, use the composure uh, after the three game losing streak. Uh, you know, after the loss in Toronto, uh, starting the road trip. You know, the, the previous years this team would have folded. And there would be no victories in New York uh, and no victories in Detroit. Uh, and then it would have been going into Pittsburgh 0-4. And, and if from, from that perspective, you know, the bad, you know, let's face it, the awful play by Lucic on the first goal of the game. Um, you know, last year they may not have recovered from that. Uh, and yet the pushback that this team has now is truly remarkable. And, 
and I think it gets better every day as as the young guys um, get more experience. John, I, I want to uh, throw you a couple of questions here from your your long TV experience and uh, you know producing and and hey, you know everybody's trying to grab their share of the audience, especially now where. You can flip over and watch Raiders of the Lost Ark on any channel if you want to, you know, in the middle of the sure. game. Um, we all know that it wasn't Crosby versus McDavid, and it wasn't Crosby, it wasn't McDavid versus Matthews the week before. We all know that, but there are names that go above the title, you know, that are the mar- the marquee names. Is it, it, do you think it's different to market that type of a game in Canada than it might be in the United States? How do you compare and contrast the the perception of the star power in the two countries that the league plays in? Um, I think it's a little different, but I, I don't think I don't think it's much different. I think that if we had gone on the air last night, Reed, and not said the matchup is McDavid versus Crosby, people would have said, what are you, nuts? You know, you, sometimes stating the obvious is the way to go. Some, sometimes stating the simple is the way to go. As I tell many, many people, you know, there are 13 million households in Canada that for television viewing. Uh, well, there aren't 13 million households viewing hockey every weekend or every Tuesday or every Wednesday. So there's a, a part of the market that, you know, that we need to try to lure into the game too and keep it simple to understand. Here's a storyline. You know, if you talk about you know, television 101, you know, a, a TV a TV broadcast really should probably, in the end, probably only have two, three, or four little themes that by the end of the night the viewer at home can sit there and say, gosh, I really like this, this, and this. And then you, as a television person, have done your job. If you try to give them too much information, uh, nothing will stick. And nothing will stick, and people will just say, oh, well, what was that? Um, but at the end of the day, when... When you can keep it simple and and tell a few stories well, if the viewer will come away from the game saying, "I really enjoyed it," and here's why I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I love that perspective, John. And uh, Mark Spector, uh, you know, has some comments from you and some stories from you in his Battle of Alberta book. And mm-hmm. uh, correct me if I'm kind of quoting you incorrectly, but I mean, basically, you you understood the quality of the hockey that was happening between Edmonton and Calgary in the 80s when there wasn't a game on every night, when there weren't multiple channels. I mean, do you ever think like, oh my goodness, what could have we done TV-wise with Edmonton-Calgary as the late half of a doubleheader or on a Wednesday night across the... You know what I mean? As compared to what yeah. what it was in the 80s? Oh, yeah. You know, it's... Uh, you know, those of us that are old enough to remember the 80s, whether... You know, you're your age or, or my age. Um, that was that was such a different time for for one reason, and, and that's because Calgary and Edmonton were one two in the whole league. We're not just talking, you know, the battle for being the battle between Calgary and Edmonton. You know, if you know if Edmonton gets the, the a Jubilee Auditorium, Calgary has to get a Jubilee Auditorium. I, it, it, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the two best hockey teams. In North America, and 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 teams that were chock full of superstars, um, Edmonton more than Calgary, but at the same time, when you look at the the, the quality of the players that played uh, in red 
it, it was a pretty deep group of group of players for Calgary too. So it it really was a the golden era of the of the of the rivalry. And yet then and then you you combine it with the personalities of the of, of the two guys behind the bench. You know, Badger Bob. You know, the the college professor against the cowboy Glenn Sather. I mean, there were so many simple stories that it was it just you could never go wrong with telling it. I mean, you you could make a whole opening and a whole night about Joel Otto versus Mark Messier and their helmets hitting on every faceoff. Um, there was always something, and that was that's what made it so special. Yeah, well, I love how you talk about the personalities, and I mean, you look at other uh, other pro leagues that have been able to latch onto that. I mean, where's the NBA without? Magic versus Bird, or or without no. without I mean Charles, there were there were comparable players to Charles Barkley stats wise. There was no one that would give you the soundbite Charles Barkley, right? <laughs> like right, right, no, absolutely right. And we were fortunate in Alberta. We we had guys, we had we had six guys on each team that would give us great quotes, and we had six guys on teams that were game breakers, and and we had we had goaltenders. Goaltenders who, who ironically enough, probably played as more hockey against each other in junior than they did in the pros. But when you think Mike Vernon versus uh, Grant Fjord, both of them ended up with their names on the Stanley Cups, and and both of them uh, uh, made contributions. And I'm not sure I'm not sure if they could even cope playing in the game this day with with their styles compared to the way the goaltending styles are now. Yeah. All right, John. You've been very generous with your time. I just want to throw one more at you. Uh, I I don't. Maybe the Oilers are going to be on this list. Can you give me a surprise or two so far into the season? Uh, I think the Rangers are a real surprise. I mean, uh, you know, the Oilers saw them firsthand last week. I think the Rangers, to me, are uh, are as as brilliant uh, and better than brilliant than I thought they would be. I didn't think they'd be this good. Um, and, And then from from that, maybe on an individual basis, uh, when you look at all the young guys, I knew that Patrick Laine was going to be good, but I didn't think he'd be this good. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it, 11 goals already? Not bad. Uh, Not bad. Yeah, and I think I think the Rangers are the best team the Oilers have played so far, and I know it's I know it's very early, and, you, you know, teams well, have not flow. I haven't the, played Montreal yet. You know, I haven't played Kerry. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but of the other teams they played, I was really impressed with how the Rangers were able to push Agreed. it. Yeah, totally. totally. Joe, I mean, Jimmy Vesey's a real deal. Oh, yeah. Well, good point. Good point. John, thanks for giving us all your time tonight, and uh, I look forward to the next time you're in Edmonton so we can talk at Rogers Place at a practice or a morning skate, man. It's always great to have you on the show. Right on, Reed. Have a good night. That is John Shannon from Sportsnet checking in tonight inside sports on 630 Chad. It is 645. And yeah, I wanted to get just to John's perspective as well as, as a as a guy long time in the in the TV business, used to be on you know, producing Hockey Night in Canada. And I mean I, I hate to sound like the old guy when I talk about this, but sometimes I do this because things have changed a lot, Matthew, and you probably don't even remember this, but I can remember as a kid, Hockey Night in Canada. Well, but there was not a doubleheader. There was one game at 6 o'clock on Saturday, and sometimes the Oilers would be playing a Saturday home game, and it would not be on Hockey Night in Canada. You'd get updates. You know, you'd get a highlight or two throughout the game when there was a goal, so there'd be a camera there. But, you know, Toronto and Chicago would be the game you would get, or, you know, Montreal and St. Louis or, or whatever. And, you know, John, if you read Mark Spector's book, John was a guy that said, we got to get Edmonton and Calgary on national tv like this is too good it doesn't matter if 
people in downtown Toronto don't have a stake in this game. They're going to enjoy the quality of the hockey. So I wanted to get John's perspective on that. It is Inside Sports on 630 Ched. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We do have a little bit of open line time here. If you uh, want to talk a little bit about the Oilers, uh, any surprises for you so far this season, your expectations going into the weekend homestand against the Stars of the Rangers, any thoughts on the uh, on the road trip? You know, You know what? And, I, and I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna sound like a little bit of a homer here, and I and I hope this doesn't come across as having rose-colored glasses with the Oilers. But I'm very encouraged with what I see. They got five out of ten points on that road trip. They were closer to getting seven or eight than they were to getting two or three. Even though you know the games were close, and you could argue all five could have gone either way. If you look at how those games flowed, they they were closer to getting a couple more points or three more than they were to giving two or three more away. It's 647 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Quick timeout. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. So the Eskimos back at practice today. We'll have a little more on them as we move along tonight. I do want to let you know right now, though, that four Eskimos have been named West Division All-Stars. They are defensive tackle Almondo Sewell, center Justin Sorensen, and, oh, you probably won't be surprised by these next two names, receivers Darrell Walker and Adarius Bowman, all West Division All-Stars. Uh, you know, the Eskimos getting ready for the playoffs here. If you want to get a built-for-November window decal from the Eskimos uh, team store or from shop.esks.com or from any Edmonton YMCA fitness facility, uh, this is, and it comes with a suggested donation of 10 bucks. 100% of the funds will go to the YMCA Strong Kids program, that promotion presented by William Huff, so that's pretty cool. There's going to be a watch party at Central Social Hall for the playoff game Sunday at 11 a.m. if you want to get together with a big group of Eskimos fans. And there's also a bit of a uh, playoff fever, what do, what do you call these, a pop-up, pop-up rally? What are this? Is this like a, a flash mob type thing? Flash pop-up? Pap fla, uh, flash pop? What do you call it, Matthew Panashik? Wouldn't you call it like a pep rally a or something like that? It's a pop It's a peppy pop-up. That's what we're going to call <laughs> it on this show. Uh, it's tomorrow, happy hour at Central Social Hall, and they're going to have a video booth where you can record messages of support for the team. So some cool stuff there going on with the green and gold. That game on Sunday, 11 o'clock kickoff, so we're going to start the coverage at 9.30 in the morning here on 6.30. Ched, we'll have two games for you that day, Eskimos in the morning, Oilers and Rangers in the evening. So that's going to be another fun one. The Oilers did not practice today. They will get back at it at 11.30 tomorrow. 2-2-1 two, two and one on the road trip. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. You leave on a long road trip like this and you're, uh, you're thinking 500 or a little bit better. That's what we're going home with. But, um, you know, I thought we had the opportunity to win in Toronto. Um, the Rangers in this game tonight, we gave up goals in the last two minutes. Uh, we should have very well at least got that to, the, to overtime. That's the disappointing part um, to air late in the game like that. But... Um, we're still a growth team. We're learning that. Um, you could see that they had a little more maturity throughout the night. They stuck with it and found a way to claw back in it. But uh, we're working, and we'll get to their level at some point. Got a text here to 630-630. An unnamed texter simply says, what do you expect to see in the game on Friday? You know what? I, I think the Oilers are going to be a little 
irritated, to be honest with you. I think, I mean, you heard McClellan's comments. We had some posts last night from McDavid and Everly, and you can go back and listen to it on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. We have all the, all, the, all the audio files there. I think they're a little irritated. I think they look at that trip, and even though you know they played well for a lot of it and, and were in all the games, I, I think they felt, you know what, we should have won more than two. We should have got more than half our points. I think they feel they squandered opportunities on that road trip, and I think they are raring to go for the Dallas Stars. I, I really do. I mean, that that's a team they didn't do well against last year that's, that's struggling. The Oilers are going to be back home. I, I just don't think we're going to be talking about, oh, first game home. You know what, a lot of the stuff we've talked about with the Oilers over the last few years has been dialogue because they've been such a bad team. And you kind of look at, well, you know, they won't play well because they're back from a road trip. I mean, good teams just, just, that's just background noise to good teams. Good teams look at the schedule and say, okay, that's when we play. We have to be ready and we have to do what we do well. And I think the Oilers, I'm not going to say that they're at that point, but I think there are signs that they're getting to that point. Back-to-back, who cares? we got two games in a row. we got to be good at 5 o'clock on Saturday, 3 o'clock Sunday, whatever. Back after a long road trip, whatever. Who cares what happened in previous games? we got to be ready that night. And I do think they're going to carry a little bit of irritation with them after that loss to Pittsburgh and, and other games. They, they, they let points get away from them as well. Bushman Brad texting in. Says, first time in years I put gas in the generator to watch an Oilers game. How about that? He's running his TV off a generator and texting inside sports. That is much appreciated. Kevin Carius is going to join us in the next hour. Back from holidays. I think he was in Florida or something. 780-496-0063 is the open line, of course. And Lori Eisler is going to join us a little bit later on, about to make history at the U of A. We'll get into that story as we move along as well. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.